Uh, why don't you turn to the book of Isaiah chapter 54. Isaiah 54 and verse 17. Actually going to read three verses of scripture as we open. Uh, we'll go from there to Mark chapter 10 verse 27. And then Joshua 24, 15. Very familiar verses of scripture. Beginning at Isaiah 54 and 17, the Bible says, No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment, thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. If you turn over to Mark chapter 10 and verse 27, another very familiar verse of scripture, it says, And Jesus, looking upon them, saith, With men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. Look at your neighbor and say, all things are possible. Last uh, scripture text this morning before we get started, Joshua 24, 15, another very familiar verse of scripture. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day. Everybody say choose. Whom ye will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the God of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, everybody say my house. We will serve the Lord. My, 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 my. For the next few moments, I wanna preach, and I promise I won't be long. It's probably the shortest message I've ever taught, but I feel like the Holy Ghost is getting ready to do something powerful in this place. For the next few moments, I wanna teach on this subject, the easiest test you'll ever take. The easiest test you'll ever take. Why don't you lay your Bibles down? Why don't you ask God to meet us here and to help us right now? Lord, you're awesome. God, I thank you for your word. God, your word is already anointed and I thank you for the power that's in it. God, I pray that you would anoint my lips of clay right now, God, that you would help me to bring forth your word with boldness. God, use me, God, for your glory and for your kingdom. God, touch hearts, touch lives, touch minds today, God. Let people be transformed under the power of the Holy Ghost. Let people grow, God, in their power and their anointing with you today, God. Let somebody experience the Holy Ghost for the very first time. God, let the waters of baptism be troubled today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Everybody said amen. amen. If you're gonna help me preach, you can be seated. Everybody but Sister B, okay. <laughs> I used to hate taking tests. Anybody else? Tests, I felt, were a trick of the enemy and a, something that would just be that just an evil, evil thing. Uh, uh, tests require you to make a choice. And most of the time, it's uh, something you have yet to master and you have to make the choice quickly. Most of the time, it is something you have yet to master. And the reason I hated tests so much, Pastor, was uh, they would get my anxiety all worked up and, and I would have indecisiveness clouding my judgment and fear of making a mistake would almost be 
debilitating. You see, because there are three main types of tests. And I would assume that everybody under the sound of my voice this morning could say they've experienced all three of these main types of tests. They are short answer tests. This is where there is a brief description of something given and in a short answer you respond with how you would handle said situation. And then there are essays. This is where you are taught on a specific subject most of the time coming out of a book of study and then you are to write an essay based upon your findings and based upon your studies what you have learned about said subject. And then the other main type of test is called multiple choice. Multiple choice changed my life. Short answer, I was okay with. Multiple choice, I was real okay with. Essay, you want me to write a whole bunch of words about something I was just learning about? Of course, you didn't notice I was staring at the squirrel outside the window the entire time. I was watching those birds feed their baby birds up in the top and now you want me to write this big long essay. Multiple choice quickly became my favorite. And that word choice is evident in every test because you are to make a choice. The Oxford Dictionary defines the word choice as follows. An act of selecting or making a decision when faced with two or more possibilities. Every test comes with the responsibility to make a choice. More more often than not, this is something that we find hard to do. And I hear the question, why is making a choice so hard? Well, I'm glad you asked me. Let me tell you why. Difficulty in making decisions are caused by several factors, such as fear of failure and lack of confidence or lack of information. Indecisiveness can also be a symptom of even mental health conditions, such as attention deficit hyperactivity disorder or ADHD or depression or post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD. All of these things make making a decision very difficult for most Americans. So knowing this, what would you say is your preferred method of test when you're the one taking the test? If you said multiple choice, you'd be like almost every other person on earth. In fact, while studying for this message today, one survey of 355 students showed that all of them, 100%, preferred multiple choice. The question arises today, why? Why do students prefer multiple choice questions? Why do we prefer multiple choice tests? And upon viewing the answers of the students when they were asked this question, it was found that the majority, over 70% of the students prefer the multiple choice exam because the reason genuinely attributed to the chance of finding the correct answer, even if they do not know anything about the question. 
Most multiple choice questions come with two to five answers, with one of them being correct. In some cases, there are more than one right answer, but these questions are not dealing in absolutes. When we are dealing in absolutes, such as the test of life, there is normally only one right answer. This means that even if you don't understand the question, even if you don't know all the answers, even if you're confused about the test, and even if you are unprepared for the test, you start with a 20 to 50% chance of getting the answer correct. But I've come this morning with a word from God that if you are in your family today have a 100% chance of, of, of passing the test of life before you even start, I knew it would be quiet. You have a 100% chance of passing this test called life before you even start. Today, if you choose to serve the Lord and follow his will and purpose for your life, you are guaranteed to pass every test that you face. It is a guarantee. It does not matter what you are facing this morning. No matter what the enemy has said or lied to you. No matter the situation. No matter the doctor's report. No matter the need. No matter the cost. When Jesus is in the equation. I said when Jesus is in the equation, you are taking the easiest test that you will ever take. Because when Jesus is in the equation, you get love, hope, power, a sound mind, beauty for ashes, peace for your troubled mind, joy in the midst of the craziness of life. When Jesus is in the equation, you are taking the easiest test. We serve a magnificent and victorious God. Our God has never lost a battle and he never will. And he is in the equation this morning. In every family, in every home, in every test, in every situation, in every trial, Jesus is in your equation. And if you choose him, you have a 100% chance of passing the test. This is why I can't even begin to describe how unbelievably excited I am to see what is happening right now in Kentucky at Asbury uh, uh, University. The revival that's going on. I, I'm part of a I'm part of a group. I, I, me and Pastor and and and, uh, and Brother Brooks were part of a group called Forward, and it's it's only for licensed ministers. And one of the licensed ministers knows the the, the lead uh, man that's at that group right now, and he's a Nazarene person. And he said that I, I believe it's still going on even right now this morning. But for over seventy hours now, there have been kids getting filled with the Holy Ghost at a Nazarene college. These college students are choosing Jesus. 
When faced with the enormity of what they are facing in this world today, when faced with the trials and tribulations of what the devil in this earth is trying to push down our throats and push down our kids' throats, they are choosing Jesus. And now for over 70 hours, there have been young people praying on their faces before God, worshiping him in spirit and in truth. Why? Because they had a test and they chose Jesus. You hear me this morning and you hear me clearly. God is calling us to a test and he is calling you to the easiest test you'll ever take. He's saying, choose me this morning and I will fight for you. If you believe that, why don't you stand and put your hands together? If you believe that when you got Jesus in the equation, that nothing shall hinder you, no weapon formed against you shall prosper, that you are more than a conqueror. Hey! You can be seated. Ah, I've got even more good news this morning. Look at your neighbor and say, he's got more good news. Almost every test that we find in the word of God was a multiple choice question. Almost every time, hey, you all just said just a minute ago that you prefer those, right? Brother Donald, you prefer those, right? You got two master's degrees, right? You got two of them. Was it easier to do a multiple choice or write one of the big long essays? That's right, that's right, tell me about it. I don't have two master's degrees. Me and school went together like oil and water, y'all. Y'all ever tried to mix oil and water together? You can start right now today. I'll come back in 10 years. It ain't gonna work. It's not gonna work. It's not gonna work, work together. We, we, we see this multiple choice all throughout scripture. If we go to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 24, the Bible says, by faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Choosing rather, verse 25, to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. He had a choice, Brother Donald. There was a choice laid before him. He was able to say, you know what? I don't know what I'm, I, I, I see uh, uh, all, the, uh, all the things laid before me and, 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 and now I can see the beauty of Egypt and I can see all of the riches and I can see all of the craziness that's going on knowing that it was just full of wickedness and sin. And over here, he had a choice to stand with the people of Israel, but they were slaves and they were being beaten and they were being persecuted and pushed down. Doesn't seem like a very hard decision, does it? But yet he chose to suffer knowing that the Lord was on his side. Somebody under the sound of my voice this morning, the Holy Ghost told me clearly last night while I was putting this, this message together that sometimes your choice isn't going to be a pretty one and there is somebody right now that has a choice in front of them that's gonna involve a little bit of suffering and sometimes the other answer might look a little bit more appealing but you hear this preacher this morning, choosing Jesus is always the right answer. Had Moses not chose to choose Jesus and follow after the will and the admonition of the Holy Ghost, there would be no burning bush, there would be no plagues. The children of Israel might very well still be under uh, captivity to the Egyptian people. 
In his mind's eye, he may have looked, Brother Donald, and said, that looks really nice. The, the, the grapes and the, the watermelon and the onion and the cucumbers that flow from, from the Nile and flow from Egypt, they look pretty nice right now, but that would mean that we would continue to be in captivity. He had to make a choice. Look at your neighbor and say, we have to make a choice. Sometimes the choice isn't a pretty one, Pastor. It's going to involve a little bit of suffering sometimes. The other answers sometimes are going to look more appealing. But you hear me this morning. Nothing trumps our God. Jesus is always victorious. When Jesus is in the equation of your test, when Jesus is in the middle of your trial and in the middle of your circumstance, it doesn't matter how bleak it may look. It doesn't matter what kind of bondage Egypt tries to put upon you. When God steps in, when God steps into the middle of your situation, the chains of bondage are gonna fall off and you're gonna walk across on dry land through that Red Sea and, and you're gonna walk through that wilderness and desert and you're ultimately gonna go into that promised land. The choice is yours. Even when other choices seem nicer. Even when other choices seem right in your own mind's eye, and even when other choices are being chosen by your peers. Let me talk to these young people for a minute. There's gonna be times and situations that you're gonna come and you're gonna face, and it's gonna look real appealing what happens outside of these four walls. The enemy's gonna lie to you and tell you that this is more fun than what you do every Sunday on those pews. And this is, this is way more fun. This is way more fun to do this outside of these four walls than what you guys do on Fridays. And you don't wanna go to an NAYC. You don't wanna experience that. You wanna come to this bar. You wanna come to this party. Even when your peers are telling you what's not to, what, what not to do, it may look, the pleasures of sin may be looking, appealing in your eye, but you hear this preacher this morning, if you don't select Jesus in those situations, you're gonna find hopelessness. You're gonna find defeat. You're gonna find the pleasures of sin that are gonna, they, they last but a season, but then on the other side, you begin to rot. Ha-ha! It begins to kill you from the inside out. Sister Kidwell, I'm gonna use your word now, hallelujah. She told me yesterday, we, the, the, the marriage group, we went on a hike and, and we were hiking through the woods and we had a, a naturalist that walked with us and she began to tell us about these trees that they look super big and super healthy on the outside, but they've been exposed to what they call heart rot. And because they didn't have any protection on them, because there was nothing to protect them from these things that were attacking the tree, that they looked great from the outside, but if you looked on the inside, they were hollowed out. And before long, they began to be blown away by every wind. They would be broken. And things would get on the inside that would continue to kill that tree. You hear this preacher this morning and you hear me clearly. If you select Jesus, he will fight for you. He will protect you against heart rot. But if you don't, the pleasures of sin will get inside. And at first it may not seem hot, uh, real bad. It may not seem real bad at first. You may be able to put on a pretty smile and a pretty face. You may be able to cover it up. But on the inside, you're going to rot. Your 
tree is gonna rot and eventually the winds of life are gonna blow. They're gonna hit you right in the mouth and if you're not careful, your tree will fall. Hear me this morning and hear me clearly. I'm telling you that you must choose Jesus. In every circumstance, in every trial, in every situation, even if it looks bleak, if you choose Jesus, he will fight for you. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm gonna choose Jesus. Choosing Jesus is always the right answer. Choosing Jesus is always the right answer. My mind goes to the book of Daniel, Pastor, where, where three Hebrew boys were, were faced with another uh, uh, unbelievable test. And, and it looked just as ugly and as bleak right then. Brother Ryan, if you could put that up there, uh, Daniel chapter three, beginning at verse 14. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? The king wasn't happy. For these three Hebrew boys were not doing what he had instructed them to do. So now they are in the courtroom of the king. And he began to issue the test. Now if ye be ready, that at what time, verse uh, 15, uh, if the, now if thou be ready, at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the sackbut, the psaltery, and the dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the image which I have made? Well, but if ye worship not, ye shall be cast the very same hour into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Ah, these three Hebrew boys, <laughs> these slaves to Babylon, faced with what almost seems certain death. If we thought Moses' test was hard, look at what happened to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Look at their test. It was very simple. It was 50-50. There were two sides of the coin. You either worship the king, you worship his gods, and you worship the image that he set up before you, or you face the ultimate death in a fiery furnace. Seems awful bleak, doesn't it? Seems awful bleak. It seems almost hopeless. Sometimes in these situations, we see and we think that there's no hope, there's no answer, I don't know what to do. I know that God said I need to do this, but if I do this, all I see is a fiery furnace. But I love what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, because if you move to verse 16, it said Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. That means they understood clearly. They were already made up in their mind what they were gonna say. Next verse. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the fiery, burning fiery furnace. And he will. 
deliver us out of thine hand, O king. Next verse. But if not, woo, let me just stop right there for a minute. Somebody under the sound of my voice this morning needs a but if not in their, in their, in their spirit right now. I need somebody under the sound of my voice that's willing to say, but if not, God is still able. He is still worthy. Be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not, we will not serve thy gods nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. They weren't careful, Brother Donald. They understood clearly what the answer was. They made up in their mind a long, long time ago that I will not bow down to the image that the enemy has faced before me. These three Hebrew boys, these slaves, to face what would seem almost certain death. This didn't phase them one bit. We just read. They knew even if they lost their lives in the furnace, they'd ultimately win when they received their reward in heaven. Ha! Ha! We don't talk about it enough anymore. Pastor, we're afraid sometimes to even bring it up in conversation, but the fact of the matter remains that there is still a hell to shun and a heaven to gain. Ah, I want to make heaven my home. And whatever that cost may be, it's worth it. I don't want to be phased by what the enemy places in front of me, no matter how dark the situation, even if it takes my life. I will gain my reward in heaven. This is the kind of resolve that God is calling us to today. Every family, under the sound of my voice, you need to rise up today and say, but if not, we will not bow down to what the enemy is placing before us. I will not bow down to the sins of this world. I will not give in to the sins of my flesh. Hey! It didn't phase them one bit. They knew that they would win ultimately. They knew that they would, if they went into that furnace and they lost their life, that God would save them. But we know the rest of the story, Brother Donald, don't we? We know that when they would not bow down, that it angered the, 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 the king so much that he turned the furnace up seven times hotter than it had ever been. And when they were thrown in, bound hand and foot, bound hand and foot, thrown into the fire, the men that threw them in were killed by the heat that came off that fire. In some of my studies, I've been been fascinated lately with the working of metal, Pastor. I've I've been fascinated lately with how they make such strong weapons and things like samurai swords and knives. And, and, and what strikes me so much about it is that the, the metal has to be heaten and melted and then frozen and then done over and over and over again. And then just when you think you can't go through any more fire, they pull you out and they beat you with a hammer Amen. till you can't stand it. And then just when you think it's done, it's back to the fire. Ah. 
You hear me clearly, the only way that you can make a sword, the only way that you can make that knife, that weapon of war, is to go through a little bit of fire, to go through a little bit of test. Y'all missed that. I, y'all didn't hear me. I said there's going to be times in the in that you're going to t- you're going to choose Jesus, but it's going to look really dark. It's going to look really bleak. I don't understand God. Why am I going through this test? I don't understand God. Why am I going through this fire when the whole time all God is doing is creating something masterful out of you? He is taking his chance to be to heat you up and to burn all the impurities out, and then he is going to beat you into submission. Come on, Pastor, don't you wish we could do that sometimes? So into the fire they're thrown, bound hand and foot. And we all know the story. He looks and he said, did we not throw three, Brother Donald? You hear me this morning? You hear me this morning, somebody in here right now has been getting ready to be cast into the fire and you're afraid. You see the furnace before you and you can't understand why is this test before me. The furnace is before you. I am begging with you this morning. I am pleading with you this morning. Continue to choose Jesus. Because when you go into that furnace, all the bands that the enemy put on you are gonna be burnt off and you're gonna walk around free. And not only that, there's a fourth man in the fire waiting for you and he's gonna walk through the fire with you. There's a fourth man waiting in the fire. He's never lost a battle and he never will. That fourth man is pure. That fourth man is holy. That fourth man is powerful. That fourth man is victorious. Don't be afraid of the fire. It only comes to make you stronger. Don't be afraid of the trial. It's only there to beef you up for what God has for you. Uh, Look at your neighbor and say, don't fear the fire. Someone under the sound of my voice this morning said to themselves, I can't see any way out. Brother Kidwell, it looks bleak. My situation, it looks hopeless. There's no way out. Certain death lies in wait. I can already feel the fire of the furnace. I'm asking you today to choose the fire. I'm asking you today to choose Jesus, the fourth man that stands on the inside of your furnace. For when you choose him, he will fight for you. I said he will fight for you. I said he will walk through that fire with you. It's gonna be bleak, it's gonna be hot, it's gonna be trepidatious, but he's gonna take off all of those bands that the enemy put on you and all those chains he tried to bind you with and all the things he tried to keep you from walking with and he's gonna say, take my hand, son. I'm gonna walk you through this fire. I'm gonna walk you through this test. I'm gonna walk you through this situation. Because when Jesus is in the equation, it's the easiest test you'll ever take. Ha. Ha. Come on, somebody. I know you can't see it right now, but if you would choose Jesus, today you will be victorious. 
You may, it may not happen right away. There may be a trial that you have to go through. There may be a little bit of firing. There may be a little quenching in the forge. But I'm telling you, hear me today. Hear me clearly. God is saying, if you choose me, I will fight for you. God goes before us. His word says he will never leave us nor forsake us. He is the friend that sticketh closer than a brother. If you will cleave to him, if you will choose Jesus this morning, you will be victorious. Somebody say persuaded. Persuaded. Moving past, beyond even choice, is persuaded. The word persuade means to cause someone to do something through reasoning or argument. So then to become persuaded means that you have been absolutely convinced and nothing will change your mind. Today, every family under the sound of my voice needs to move from the place of the valley of decision, from a place of just mere choice, and you need to become persuaded. If I were feeling a little bit more of the spirit of my pastor this morning, that would have been my second title, persuaded. God is calling us this morning, that place of growth, pastor, we've been talking about, this place where we need to get to. We need to get beyond reasoning. We need to get beyond mere choice. We need to get out of the valley of decision this morning, and you hear me, you need to become persuaded. Persuaded, just like those three Hebrew boys. They were persuaded nothing was gonna separate them from the love of God. Nothing was going to keep them from worshiping him. Nothing was going to keep them from bowing down to the only true and living God. Nothing was going to cause them to bow down to the ways of sin and bow down to the trials and peer pressures of this world. Nothing was going to keep me from doing what God has called me to do. They were persuaded. Just like Paul, when he penned these words in Romans chapter eight, beginning at verse 35, it said, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Verse 36 says, as it is written, for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, we are made more than conquerors. Look at your neighbor and say, you're more than a conqueror. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Somebody needs to become persuaded this morning. Somebody needs to become persuaded this morning. Tribulation's not gonna keep me back. Distress is not gonna keep me back. Persecution is not gonna hold me down. Famine and nakedness and peril, not the sword of the enemy. Nothing is gonna keep me. 
Nothing's going to hold me. Nothing's going to bind me. Nothing's going to hold me back, Pastor. I am persuaded. I am taking out my sword to fight because I know he fights for me. And when he fights for me, I am victorious. If you believe that this morning, why don't you raise your hands and accept it? Come on. If you believe it, come on, God, I accept that. I receive it, Lord. I receive that leading, that guiding, that directing God. Come on, become persuaded in your own mind. Come on, somebody, become persuaded in your own mind. I am persuaded. (laughs) Come on, somebody. Nothing is going to separate us. Nothing is going to separate us. Joshua was persuaded. I'm going to tie this into Family Sunday. Glad you asked. Joshua was persuaded. As for me and my house, that is why he issued the easiest test to the people of Israel right before he goes into glory. If you go back one chapter, in chapter 23, it says that he is old and stricken in years. If you read all of Joshua, I encourage you to do it. It will uplift your soul. It will keep you. It will strengthen you. But now he's old. He had helped the children of Israel to cross over into the promised land. And he had led them through the battles at Jericho and Ai and the battles in the Valley of Gibbon. And he had gone through all of these battles and had conquered and defeated everything that was before them. But he is now faced with this. You see, the children of Israel had once conquered everything and everyone that stood in their way. But now they were content to live with the enemy, Pastor. They were content to allow the enemy into their homes. They were content to allow the enemy to bind them and keep them, to to put their thoughts in their head. Serving the gods before the flood. Serving the gods of the Amorites. <laughs> oh, God. They were content to allow the ways of the world corrupt their children, to corrupt their minds, to infect their lives and destroy their very way of life. So Joshua issues the easiest test that I've ever seen issued in the Bible right before he goes into glory. He asks them, whom will you serve? For you see the gods, little G, they can't keep you. They can't sustain you. They've never saved you. They've never healed you. They've never delivered you. Or are you going to serve the Lord who has kept you, who has sustained you, who has saved you, who has healed you, who has delivered you? God's heart was so hurt. He is so hurt. He couldn't take it. It hurt God so bad that they allowed the enemy to live within the tents of Israel. They were content, Brother Donald, to live next to the enemy. They were content to allow him to corrupt their children and their minds and their lives, their way of life. They were content. 
And knowing that this hurt God to his very core, you hear me this morning on Family Sunday. Every house needs to make up their mind today. They need to become persuaded like Joshua and make up in their mind that we will serve the Lord. I feel so strong an impression from the Holy Ghost saying that there's too many under the sound of my voice that have become content with allowing the enemy into your home. What are you putting in front of your eyes, Daddy? What are you listening to, Mama? What are you saying on Facebook, young person, and not getting in the book? What are you doing? Are you serving the gods before the flood? which represented the evil ways of man. If you read Genesis chapter six, before Noah built the ark, the ways of men were evil in the eyes of God. Or perhaps the the ones in Egypt, which represented the bondages of sin. What are you allowed into your home, daddy? What have you allowed Hollywood to teach your kids? What have you allowed social media to teach them when you should have been teaching them? Young person who's alone in their room on social media speaking to people that they shouldn't be speaking to, doing things that they shouldn't be doing. God sees it. I feel so strong in my heart today that if we would just cut those things out and we would choose. If we would become persuaded and say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I'm willing to cut out whatever I gotta cut out. I'm willing to stop doing whatever I gotta stop doing. I'll stop watching whatever I need to stop watching. I'll stop listening to whatever I need to stop listening. Whatever the cost. Why? Why, preacher? (laughs) Remember I said almost every choice in the Bible was multiple choice, almost every test. But you see, I texted pastor last night because I couldn't find any place where there wasn't one. And pastor helped me and I felt so convicted and I was downstairs at my kitchen table, tears streaming down my face and praying to God. Because I found the only place in the Bible where there wasn't a multiple choice test and there was only one choice. In Luke 22, beginning in verse 39, it says, and he came out and went and he was wont to the Mount of Olives and his disciples also followed him. And when he was at that place, he said unto them, pray, that ye enter not into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast and kneeled down and prayed saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. 
Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. You asked me this morning, why should I cut everything else out and choose Jesus? Why should I choose this man? Why should I choose the hope that lies, the hope of glory that lies into it? Because he chose you. You see, Jesus knew there was no other choice. So he chose death. He chose pain. He chose suffering. And he chose sin that he never committed. That you and I might choose this morning life and healing and blessing and salvation. <laughs> While we stand all across this house, I'm going to ask that if you will, if you're going to make up your mind today to be persuaded like Paul and be persuaded like Joshua, that you get your family together. Moms and dads, take your kids by the hand and let's come to this altar and together as a church body, let's agree together today that no matter the cost, I'll lay it down. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Come on for mamas. Come on daddies. Get your babies. Come on. Make up in your mind today. As for me and my house, we will serve him. We will not serve the gods that were before the flood. We will not serve the gods of the Amorites. We will not give in to the pressures of this world. <laughs> We make up in our mind today, Heavenly Father, that we will choose you over every circumstance, over every trial, over every situation, over everything the enemy places in front of our eyes. Come on, Mama. Pray over your babies. Come on, Daddy. Pray over your wife. <laughs> Shut up, boy, shut up, boy, shut up.